Okay, so now we just need an intro. Uh, something like... Friendly sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. The friendliest sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. That's it. Ah, all right, cool. Let's start the show. Yep. One. Welcome to the Friendly Sparring Podcast. The podcast where one host is trying to hook up with the other host's sister. My Respectfully. Name My name is T-Cross, and welcome to the Friendly Sparring Show. <laughs> and I am Juice, here to provide some context for that, because <laughs> it's important. It. I texted T-Cross yesterday, I was like, yo, give me a call. We gotta talk about something. Because earlier that day, it was either it was either in the morning of that day or if it, or it was the day before. I can't remember. Because it definitely, when it happened, it took me off guard. And I was like, I need some time to process this. <laughs> like, no, we got to talk about it. So as as the as our faithful listeners know, I'm newly single, right? I'm on the apps, as they say. And the, the apps being dating apps, one of them being Hinge. And Hinge is where like people... It's not like Tinder. It's not like, oh, I'm swiping, I'm whatever. It's like people are on there looking for like serious relationships, whatever. And that's more or less what I'm looking for. Um, and so I am scrolling and it's like it's like social media hinges. It's not like a uh like Tinder style where it's just like a few pictures or whatever, and you're like, oh, let's swipe or left or right or whatever the fuck. People put all these things, and so Without like noticing like the name or the main picture, I'm just looking at some like key details and stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. We vibe in this aspect or whatever. And I'm looking in, and then I finally check out the picture. I was like, she kind of looks familiar. I see the name and I was like, oh, that's definitely Tom's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'll hit like, fuck it. <laughs> so as of yet, we've yet to match. All yeah. right. Well, Based on the timing, I don't think so. So pour one out for me. But I'm, uh, kind, of, I'm kind of upset that she didn't tell me. Well, like I said, I don't know if if she saw it yet. As we talked about, women on these apps get way more notifications or I way more like hits or that. whatever. So she must be just sifting through a bunch of dudes. Right. And so I get it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you uh, you like my sister. She's a very fine woman. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny too because I was when we were at when I was at your place last time, as we talked about, she was there, and I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" She's like, "Oh, yeah, I know, I know your wife. We worked at the thing." I was like, "Ex-wife." Uh, <laughs> um. So that's interesting. Yeah, go go ahead. I, I cut you off there. No, no, no. So, uh, I I just wanted to transition to the to the fights. Um, my you know my week was boring. I I worked an asinine amount. But anyway, um, I want the ass. I wanted to emph- extra emphasis on ass. Um, I just wanted to That's the title of this episode. Emphasis on the ass. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> We've had some really interesting uh, episode titles since I started. Hell yeah, I love it, <laughs> dude. Put your dick away was was the title of an episode. <laughs> it's a great title. Um. Anyway, I wanted to jump right in to the fights and just the, the pay-per-view in general. And I wanted to start off with the Jens Pulver thing. 
Um, yes. Did you watch the the his reaction video? Were you able to catch it? I did. Yeah. So um, as we'll get into later, I did not watch these fights because I was uh, doing a lot of shit, like performing and things like that. Couldn't watch the fights live. Saw Jens Pulver's reaction video and his interview on Ariel Hawani. Okay. I was going to ask you that as well. Could not have happened to a better guy. And you you messaged me like, oh, let's talk about Jens Pulver or whatever. And as soon as I was like, did they finally do it? Did they finally put him in the Hall of Fame? Like, I instantly knew, like, what was up. So here, so here's what I want to say about the Jens Pulver situation. Um, and I'm going to personalize it a little bit. Um, so I was always raised uh, by my parents to treat people the way you want to be treated. And I largely live by that still to this day. Like, obviously, I've done some things I'm not proud of, as we all have. You know, I'm not a perfect person. <clears throat> but for the most part, I think I treat everybody that I come across with love and respect. And I try my absolute best to be a good person. And a result of that has ended me ended up with me being shit on, walked all over, taken advantage of fucked over whatever synonym you want to use um and it sucks so to see a good person have something good happen to them it warms my heart because it's it's a foreign concept to me personally uh so to see a guy who has uh, and now especially after listening to his interview with Ariel Hawani how this all came about because he finally agreed to do a UFC where are they now video where he had been asked to do it so many times and he was like I'm not happy with where I'm at I'm not happy with where I'm at I don't want people to know where I'm at and for him to have finally found something um that he's interested in that he's happy doing um to the point where he agreed to do this video and then he got honored by it and they they surprised him with it uh, live on the broadcast, which is not something they've ever done. I don't recall to any other person that's ever been inducted um, in that specific way. Maybe the the Jose Aldo announcement with him live. Um, yeah, it, I would say they usually try and work it out with them being in the arena, right? Um, if if that's available, if they're feasible, right? Um, because I I even feel like the Sakuraba one, like he was there, they cut to him. No, I don't I don't remember that one specifically. But anyway, like I was saying, just seeing something good happen to a good person who has deserved this for a long time, uh, like made me tear up. I don't think I've ever cried watching a watching a UFC pay per view before, but that one that one got me. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to start off by saying that congratulations to Jen's Pulver, uh, long time coming, well deserved, and that that reaction video and and just the story he told on Ariel's show about his his dad beating the shit out of him and he's like you know i can't wait till i have a kid because they're never gonna know what this feels like and i and like Dude. his son there and him saying like i hope you're proud of your dad it's just like i'm like getting emotional talking about it now it was really heartwarming to see same i was gonna say like that's what got me listening to the Ariel interview talking about that and even as you can already hear, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Like, you just like so wholesome of a guy. And yeah. I remember like this, like season five of the Ultimate Fighter, thinking like he's cool, but clearly like BJ was like the hot 
you know, right. superstar at the time. I just the my favorite line from that season. I hope I hope we have the same one because I was gonna I was gonna mention one too. Go ahead. Okay. My favorite line from that season. It came it comes out that although he was the fr- first lightweight champion of the UFC and I think he beat BJ in their first outing and then yep. they just be like BJ beat him in the rematch that culminated at the end of the season. <laughs> it says that he lost to Joe Lozon, like got smoked. And when Joe Joe Lozon finally fights, he beats the shit out of whoever he was fighting, probably Cole Miller or somebody. And uh, Jens Pulver says to the camera, like when they do those confessionals or whatever, he's like, I'm glad he's good. Cause that means I didn't lose to no bitch. Right. Exact same one I was gonna say. Exact same. Exact one. Yeah. And I was just like That's like the way he, he looked kind of angry because I feel like I don't I can't remember, but I feel like Joe was not on his team. And so it was yeah, like yeah, he should have so. been sad that his guy lost. He was like, I'm glad he's good. Yeah. That way I didn't lose to a bitch. <laughs> Brilliant. It's so good. But what's What's crazy about his interview with Ariel uh, was how when he was talking about, you know, where he was prior because he because he works for the UFC. He runs the UFC's Twitch stream. And I didn't know that. I'm not big on Twitch. I don't really play video games. So um, but anyway, so he was like, you know, talking about where he was before living life with a bunch of regret and this and that. And then Ariel asked him a further question, like, like you mentioned regret, like talk further about that. And he told this like ongoing story about how like the chain of events of just from the ultimate fighter led him to where he's at now, where he said, like, when I lost to BJ after the ultimate fighter, I realized I was too small for that weight class, but there was no 145 in the UFC. So they essentially like sold me to the WEC and then the WEC f- was going to fly me out to Vegas to announce at their next show that I was joining their 145 pound division. My flight ended up getting delayed six hours. Now I missed the whole show, but I'm still in Vegas walking around Mandalay Bay. A stranger, hard oh, hard rock, right? Like a stranger walks up to me and says, Hey, you're a little evil. I recognize you from the Ultimate Fighter. And that ended up. That's his wife now and the mother of his kids. So like, dude, I got chills at that story because her flight got delayed or something too. Yeah, like they both had like this moment of like serendipity that if things hadn't lined up, and I was like, you talk about the whole thing. If I didn't lose to BJ, I wouldn't have never gone to WC. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't have gone this flight, and I wouldn't have been in the harbor. Wouldn't have met my wife. Like, right, this whole domino effect. It's a crazy chain of events because. He, he was saying like how down he was after BJ beat him. He was like, it was, I was devastated. It was like the worst day of my life. And then the chain of events led me to my wife. And he's like, had I beaten BJ, I would have stayed at 55 and who knows what would have happened. Um, you know, maybe his life would have, maybe he wouldn't have been in a down position. You know, you never know how, how things wound up. But for him to say, like, this led me here, which led me here, which led me here, and that's how I met my wife. And I'm like, dude, that was a wild, wild run. And uh, just a a, a beautiful human being. Um, And uh, I've never watched a UFC Hall of Fame ceremony live. Like, I imagine they stream it on YouTube or or whatever they do. Um, I'm going to go out of my way to watch his. Yeah, dude. Gotta keep it international fight week usually this July when they right. do it. Yeah. 
Um, I can't wait. And I, yeah. I want to see, is, is, this, is this the year that Jose Aldo is also getting inducted? I believe so, yeah. I feel like there's someone else they mentioned as well. Um, I don't know, but I'm excited. Yeah, me too. That was uh, a... yeah. Just wanted to to start off with that because it it really really touched me. Awesome. Well, in in talking about these fights, I, I texted with you. I was trying to find a link to to rewatch the fights, and like uh, the homie Shane Terra sent me his website, and it, apparently like they'll put the fights on like next day, and then they'll take him down. So like I looked too late, couldn't right. find it anywhere. I even was like, okay, I'll buy the pay-per-view. I will break down and buy the pay-per-view. But ESPN plus app sucks ass. Emphasis on the ass. On the ass. Be like I can only I guess I have a Roku and it's like, oh yeah, you can um buy this on your Roku. Normally, like if if if, if it's on fight night, I can go on this website like ESPN plus.com slash PPV or whatever put in whatever card I want and put in my ESPN login and it goes right there. If I do that now, it's it's one it's like, hey, you want to buy the John Jones pay-per-view? No, that is in three weeks. Why the there's no like yeah a fucking like incentive to pre-order. Why would I do that? Well yeah. like it's very possible that I missed the last fights and you're still not showing them for free on the app. So I gotta pay for it. It just was like I was trying to give the UFC my money and they were like, nah, we don't want it. Right. I was yeah. so, I was so mad. So I didn't watch the fights. I did watch some of the prelims, obviously, because those are still free. Uh, Tyson Pedro versus Modestus Bukowskis was a great fight. I um, I missed the prelims entirely because uh, I worked till fucking eight thirty, yeah. uh, and then you know get home, shower, all that other shit. But that guy Modestus Bukakis was on Ariel's show, and yes, that guy it just seems also like a fucking great dude i really liked his interview hell yeah i actually was just catching up on the podcast uh before we started to record uh-huh. and um i got to his interview i got to maybe like five minutes of it but i will say i've i've heard him on i think it's the Wocast. it's the podcast that used to be done by by gina and uh mike morgan and he was cool on that show because like the whole time he, he was in the UFC initially, I feel like he was on prelims and like going decisions. So he wasn't getting like uh, posed by interviews. Right. I'm like, oh, he's Latvian or whatever. Motherfuckers from the UK as like yeah. super British. Style. Like he gets on the mic. He's like, just want to say shout out to all the Australian fans. Lovely country. You are so nice. Like just super yeah. British on the mic. I'm like, OK, yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. I really enjoyed his interview. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, well, let's let's talk about some of the fights. I mean, I obviously miss them, but I want to hear your take on them because everyone's been talking. I'll say I watched some highlights of the Islam Volk, but that doesn't really help me in terms of like telling the story. Right. So, so you want to jump into right into Islam Volk? We can. I mean, it's up to you. Like, we don't have to talk about every single fight on the main card, I feel like, because, you know. Yeah doesn't matter so, so let, let's jump right into islam volk because i have a lot of thoughts on a lot of various different aspects of it um i want to start with the just the the pound for pound idea i want to start mm-hmm. with that because Great. i've i've seen a lot of people a lot of comments a lot of you know media members talking about it 
So the idea of pound for pound, the way that I interpret it, is if everybody was the same size, the same weight class, skill for skill, they fight, who wins? And then I see everybody still ranking Volkanovsky number one, but saying that they scored the fight for Islam, which makes no sense because then they're like, oh, well, if they were the same size, they were the same size. They both weighed in at 155. They were the same size. They fought in the same weight class. They are the same size. If you thought Islam won the fight, you cannot still think Volkanovsky is ranked number one. It, it makes no sense. Yeah, he was coming up a weight class, but they still fought in the same weight class. It wasn't like Islam weighed in at 170 and you weighed in at 155 and like, all right, let's give it a shot. They weighed in the exact same the day before. Fair is fair. I personally scored it for Volkanovsky. It was, it was very close. But the whole pound for pound debate that I've seen online is driving me up the wall because Ariel Hawani specifically, when he's been talking about it, where he's like, I, I put Leon above Kamaru on the pound for pound because Leon beat Kamaru, even though Kamaru dominated Leon for the most part up until that head kick. And in their previous fight. Right. He's like, well, they're, but they, they're in the same weight class. I'm like, well, Islam and Volk were in the same weight class on that day. It, like, like I said, they didn't, it wasn't like Volk weighed in at 145 and Islam weighed in at 155. And then they said, fuck it, let's go for it. They both weighed in at 55. If you thought Islam won, then you th should think that he's pound for pound better. Like it, it, in this instance, it's not fictional. We're like, well, who's better pound for pound, Stipe Miocic or Volkanovsky? Like they're never going to meet. These two met. If you thought Islam won, then grow a pair of balls and say you thought Islam is, is, the better fighter because he won the fucking fight according to you and according to the judges i thought volkanovsky won i am you know me i hate the fucking word robbery i don't yeah i don't i don't find it a robbery the rounds were pretty close i just had it for volk but uh yeah i, I i'm kind of going on a rant on a ramble in here but you know what are your thoughts on this whole pound for pound debate yeah so i i have some thoughts man like it's it's mainly created to, I feel like, create controversy and things like that. It's all barbershop talk. It's all fantasy. So I kind of hate that, like, it's something that's part of the official UFC rankings. It shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. It is a fan thing. Right. It is I not agree. like, and, and, and like the, the idea that they is that Islam became the champion, they were like, oh, yeah, he's number two on pound for pound, like right, right away without yeah. like, and, and, and because of the definition that I agree with you, like, skills translate whatever resume kind of shouldn't co come into play right but it does to a certain Absolutely. extent just because we we don't we haven't seen much so i kind of feel like you know without having seen the fight also just the fact that it went to decision and it's highly controversial and we've never seen islam put on his back like that like i've seen from the fifth round like how does that regardless of if he got the nod how does that put him over? Right. I, I just don't see that that should could, because to your point, they weighed in uh, at the same weight, and Volk gave him a tough time. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you have trouble with a a forty fiver, are you? How are you gonna? You know, with a with one seventy? Again, should be like the same way, but right. I feel like Islam is a big ass one fifty fiver. Did you see him at like, weigh-ins? Yeah, dude, like, I feel like dude, him and Leon are the same size. Yeah. Now, here's another thing I want to say. 
I think after this weekend, I think we all collectively as a community need to stop comparing Islam to Khabib. They are yep. so clearly not on the same level to the point. Like I think, I think Islam showed that he's a better striker than Khabib, but nowhere near as good at wrestling, grappling, submissions, ground and pound, just the overall grappling aspect. He's clearly a very good grappler, but he is not Khabib 2.0. If him and Khabib were to put the gloves on and fight each other, I think Khabib would steamroll him. No issue. Uh, I think so too. Plus, I, I think Khabib was always good at like, implementing his like just imposing his will and not deviating from anything yeah like islam is not islam is like let's entertain some striking he's not nearly as aggressive with the grappling like now now maybe this is just speaking to how good volkanovsky is but if you if khabib got your back or your body up against the fence you're going down like zero percent chance you're defending that Volkanovski was able to defend several times when he was up against the fence, which is unheard of against Khabib. Now, you could argue that Khabib never fought anybody as skillful as as Volkanovski, but again, he's he is smaller. They weighed in at the same weight class. Right. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't see how they could compare the two and I, I think it's I think Volkanovsky proved that Islam is no Khabib and we should just he's his own guy yeah let's pump the brakes on Leave those comparisons that. yeah but as the fight goes um like I said it was close and I I was I was actually do you ever listen back to our episodes after we record sometimes I do I always do. Um, even when I had my own show, I used to always listen listen to it. Um, so I was a couple weeks behind. So this week at work, I was listening to our last couple episodes, and I had said uh, a couple weeks back that I, I think Volk like has no issue with Islam. I think I, I think it was our first uh, podcast where we did like sitting in those chairs, like when yeah. we were in, when yeah. I, was I there. Said, like I, I don't I don't think I think like, I think he makes it look easy. Yeah, yeah. So I think. I don't think I was entirely wrong um, because the the rounds that I scored for Islam were entirely control-based. Um, and at the end of the day, it is a fight. You know, grappling does matter. But at the end of the day, it is a fight. And Volkanovski landed almost twice as many strikes as Islam. Uh, knocked him down. One once, uh, according to this, the you know the the official stats. But let's be honest, he knocked him down twice. Um, in the striking department, I don't think it was even remotely close. Um, the the grappling aspect was very close, where uh, Volkanovski was able to def- like his his takedowns were less than fifty percent. He landed four out of nine takedowns, mm-hmm. uh, and in the fourth round, he just found himself in a bad position and had his back taken pretty early on in the round and just couldn't get out of that. But again, even in that round, Islam was going for chokes and Volkanovsky was throwing punches at his face doing damage. You know, it's really how much damage are those punches really doing? Cause they're kind of short, you know? Um, but again, yeah. it, it is still damage. Um, I'm not trying to say I gave that round to Volkanovsky by any means, but 
Okay, uh, that's what I was going to ask actually, because I've heard right, a lot right. about like, oh yeah, Islam has back, but Volk, Volk, Volk was doing the punching. Like, how do you score that in terms of damage? Because that's yeah, supposed to be the main criteria we're told now. Yeah, it's it's tough because it, the whole main criteria of damage, it's it's pretty subjective because a judge really can't know how much damage it's actually doing to the person without the person telling them like, oh, this is hurting me, you know? Right. And and visually it's tough when you look at people's faces because some people bruise easily. Like if you remember, the, the example I always give is George St. Pierre versus Nick Diaz. George St. Pierre beat the fuck out of Nick Diaz for 25 minutes. And if you look at the post-fight press conference, George St. Pierre's face was mangled. Like he's one of those guys that bruise easily, but so that doesn't tell the entire story either. So it's a tough criteria, but to be fair to Islam, he wasn't doing a ton of ground and pound. It's tough to do from the back to land ground and pound when you're laying on your back and they're on top of you. It's really tough to land ground and pound. He was actively trying to go for a choke. So he wasn't just like holding on while he's getting punched in the face. He was grabbing the wrist, going for wrist control, trying to get across the, the neck, um, and is and uh Volkanovsky was defending the choke while throwing punches. So I still gave that round specifically to Islam. Um so for me, I had rounds two, three, and five for Volk and uh one and four for Islam. But even even round one was kind of close because Volkanovsky was dominating the stand-up, and then Islam was able to get a takedown with like two minutes left, was able to transition to the back. Got, you know, locked in a couple chokes that, you know, what's his name was able to, that Volkanovsky was able to defend. Um, but I think in the criteria of damage versus control, if you're controlling, but at least trying to maneuver your way into a submission, um, I, I, I think that also matters. Um, really, really tough fight. I wasn't, I wasn't upset with three to two Islam. Four to one Islam is criminal. Uh, yeah, but three two either way it was it was very very close. Uh, I, I wouldn't consider it a robbery. I also could be biased because I talked a lot of shit about how easy Volk was gonna make it look, but it was a, a close fight. Uh, but I do feel bad that that Volk was kind of robbed of the moment to win double yeah. in his home country. Oh. That would have been, been like dicing. historic, not, not just for MMA, not just for the UFC, but sports in general as a whole. That would have been such a huge moment. And uh, I do I do got to give credit to the judges, though, by not being swayed by the crowd and not just giving it to the hometown guy because it was close. So I, I feel like they called it straight the way that they saw it, and I, I can't be too mad at that. Um, but I, I did say I wanted to go back and watch it uh, on mute without hearing the commentary or the crowd and then, you know, rejudge it personally. I uh, just haven't had an opportunity to do that yet, but I had a 3-2 Volk. Yeah, whenever the fucking UFC actually um, puts it on ESPN with, without making me pay, I'll do too. maybe we'll do a revisit when there's an off week and do like a, right. like a fight recap because... Yeah. I here's what here's what I've been hearing and, and why I think I really want to see is because I've heard like a lot of takes of like, oh yeah, Islam won, oh Volk won, and that's what people are talking about. But I've seen a couple of people say 
man, forget about who won. It was an incredible fight. And we're clearly watching like two of the best in the world at what they do. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to see. It was, I want to see the fight of the year contender. If if you look at now, you, when we were talking about pound for pound before you were like, Oh, how, how could he just win the belt and be second pound for pound immediately? Um, when you watch this fight, you understand why. Like, yeah, the the level of eliteness, if that's even a word, in this fight, like they're so clearly the two best fighters on the planet. Um, the the toughness, the cardio, the striking, the grappling, the offense, the defense, the back and forth. It was such a high level fight. Um. Where if you're looking at if you're talking about the greatest fights of all time, you know you're usually talking about the slugfests where it's just like guys getting punched in the face, um, blood everywhere, like the Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua, Forrest versus Stefan Bonner fights like that. Jones Gus won. Right, but when you're talking about just pure skill, heart, and determination, like this one's up there. It was so high level in every aspect of of fighting. You know the you know the grappling the striking the the clinch the knees the the wall work it was just it was brilliant all the way around from both guys fuck yeah dude so another thing i want to ask about this fight specifically um because when i had put on my instagram that i thought it was 3-2 volk uh one of my other friends who i know from muay thai uh it had it three to Islam. So we were kind of having a back and forth just discussing why. And as someone who my, when I train like grappling is my favorite art. It's what I think I'm best at. Mm-hmm. So I do tend to favor that a lot. Um, but I also think offensive wrestling gets too much credit and defensive wrestling doesn't get enough. For, so here's a for instance, like Islam, whatever round, let's say he shoots three takedowns and Volk defends two of them. But then Islam lands one in the last minute of the round. Does does Islam get that round because he landed a takedown? Well, what about him? He stopped two of them. He's got a higher percentage defensively than he does offensively. And he was like, well, yeah, but you just, but Islam chose to take it to the ground and he succeeded. I'm like, well, Volk chose to keep it standing and he succeeded twice. So like, I I feel like if I take you well, down, yeah. like it, it's a tough thing. And I also don't think getting back to your feet after being taken down is, is given enough credit. Like if you take me down and I'm back on my feet within a minute, I feel like your takedown shouldn't count especially if you didn't pass my guard, you didn't do any ground and pound damage. You take me down, I get back up. Your takedown and my get back to my feet, null and void, canceled. Yeah, so we're. I think we're told that it's supposed to, like if, if you're not doing any ground and pound or, or trying to work for submissions, that they aren't supposed to count. But to your point earlier, uh, effective grappling, like when you said your buddy was like, oh, he chose to take him down. Like if we're talking about like, it used to be, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it switched to just damage, but it used to be like effective striking, effective grappling, aggression, octagon control, in that order. Right. Is one out of three effective? Right. Yeah. And that was another point that my friend brought up. He's like, well, what was, 
what was more effective, Volk striking or Islam's takedowns? And I'm like, Volk striking. And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, if you look at the stats, Volkanovsky landed 66% of the strikes he threw, and Islam only landed 44% of the takedowns he shot. Islam striking was more effective, or uh, Volk striking was more effective. He and you, you know what I hate about that too is that it's it's all hinging on the ten point must system, right? right? So the sixty six percent versus forty four or forty five, it's, it's overall when they're scored round by round, right? Which is unfortunate that would like this whole conversation. I was thinking a while back, but I, I I forgot to mention it. The more conversations like this that we have, the more I think pride rules really is the way to go. Yeah. Like just scored by the fight oh. overall. Yeah, because that like really, I feel like honestly, there would be a lot less controversy because when you eliminate that round by round mentality and you and well, first of all, people will stop point fighting or stop right. trying to wonder like, oh, let's get a takedown at the end of the round because that'll really seal the deal in the judge's mind. It's not about it's what you do with it. It's it's damage. It's things like that. And that way, at the end of the fight, you'll know who won. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I saw a lot of people saying that. Islam won the contest because he won three out of two rounds, but Volk won the fight because he did more damage. And I'm like, it, it's, I don't necessarily, like, I obviously don't agree that Islam won the fight, but let's say Islam won three rounds, but Volk did a lot more damage in the rounds that he won. It's, it's, it sucks because, like, I kicked the yeah. shit out of you, but you grappled me for three rounds. So you win. In a fight, like I understand grappling is part of the fight, but at the end of the day, it's a fight. Like, right? We're trying to, we're supposed to be trying to kick the shit out of each other, and uh, as Conor McGregor would say, "You're sniffing my jock strap." Like, I understand it's part of the fighting, and I, I'm a grappler myself, but like, here's another idea I've had before. What What do you think about rounds starting where the previous round ended? I like that. Like, all right, yeah, I'm going to take you down at the end of the first because when the second round starts, we're not starting back on our feet. We're starting right back in this position where I had you. So now it's on you to get your ass up. If you can't, now, then that, you know, that just like overvalues grappling, right? Like, right. Like the round ends and that's like the savior. Like, all right, now kind of makes it more fair. It's, it's tough. It's, it's, there is no perfect scoring system and it's unfortunate, but. What are you giggling about over there? I'm laughing at because I'm, I'm thinking about how I, I agree with this. Um, but then I thought about, do you remember Masvidal versus Cerrone when he knocks him out at the end of the bell? Yeah. Like basically gets saved by the bell. Cause yeah. like originally I was, I was going to, when you, when you said that, I was like, yeah, because that eliminates people like, Oh, I get taken down within 10 seconds. I'm not going to waste energy trying to give up. I'm just going to restart in the next round. Right. It eliminates that. You, people are like going to start, you know, still working and improve their position. But then I thought about what if you get dropped at the end of the round Yeah. <laughs> and the next one starts, you're fucking flat on your back. <laughs> like, just like the idea of like the idea also like the ref like breaking it up and like okay let's remember this yeah you yeah know? yeah it's, it's kind of ridiculous to think about but yeah. it's a great idea yeah it's it's it the issue, theory. yeah the issue with it with just fight like mma in general it's it's there's so much going on there's so much to take into account 
Um, whereas in boxing, it's just punches. Now, in this one, you got knees, elbows, grappling. There's so much to take into account that there really is, like, I can't, I, smarter minds would have to come up with a better scoring system. I mean, the the ten point must is is so antiquated. Yeah, it's 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 flawed, but like there's there's no better way currently. Um, I would love for someone to think of one, but it's 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 so difficult and so uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um. Like people can interpret things so differently. Like subjective, perfect, subjective. There we go. Like it's so. Even you look at the Sean Strickland Jared Cannonier fight. One judge has it four one one guy, and another judge has it four one the other way. Wow. And, and I watched the fight. Neither of them are really wrong. They were close rounds. It's, it's so it's it's so tough. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like. The Fertitas and Dana White did a lot to grow the sport of MMA. Mm-hmm. But some of the things they did in very like inevitably hurt it in some ways. Because I feel like when they bought the UFC, they had a challenge of getting the public to accept it and let's let's package it correctly. Let's work with commissions. Well, to do that, they had to make it like present it in a way that was palatable to people. And I feel like people were already on board with boxing. They're like, let's follow the boxing model. Let's do a 10-point right. must, do five-minute rounds, things like that. And I just feel like it was great at the time, but like short-term, it was great. Long-term, is it? Yeah. So, well, we've, we've belabored that point for for a while. Were there any other fights on the main card that you wanted to talk about? Um, There was one more point I wanted to make about Islam Volk. I, I apologize. It, it, just no, a, please. Just a quick question. I'm personally, I'm getting really sick and tired of after every close fight, whether it be a title fight or not. Oh, let's run it back. Like I'm, I'm really sick of, it's like every weekend it's like, Oh, let's do an immediate rematch. Let's do an immediate rematch. Like Volk, you have a title, like go back. You have, and you had now have an interim champ, go unify your belt. Islam has a clear number one contender with Benil Darius, even though he just signed to fight Charles, but that's beside the point. Yeah. Go each defend your belt another time, then meet again at the end of the year. But like Volk is trying to say like, oh, he should defend the the interim, his interim belt while I rematch Islam. No, Volk, you're one of my favorite fighters. I uh, <laughs> There's no one that's campaigned for you more than I have. Stupid idea. I thought you won the fight. The judges didn't. You lose. Go back to your division. Settle shit with the little guys and then revisit 155 later on. Or vacate your belt if you want to stay at 55. Fight a contender at 55 and then and then go from there. But like this immediate rematch shit's got to stop. It's, it's every week. If you're not a long-reigning champ like Usman was, you don't get an immediate rematch. That's what I think. And I, I think if Usman beats Leon... I don't think Leon should get an immediate rematch and they should do a fourth fucking fight. You never even defended the belt. Yeah. I I also feel like it's tough because the word interim by definition is meant as like a placeholder or in the meantime. Right. And I feel like Volk is kind of like, just based on what he said on Ariel's interview with Ariel is like, Oh yeah. What does that mean? Interim. 
let him keep being an interim as in like there is like we've been conditioned to think they function in a certain right. way like they're placeholders especially especially in the like post uh endeavor sale era era you know in 2016 when they sold it they started doing so many more interim belts man yeah. like before it was it was only like okay let's have an interim champ if the real champ is injured and then they would ultimately unify or the interim would get promoted i think right. henenborough was the only one that defended the interim right but but like especially now the interim belts have been like number one contender belts basically yeah except colby's interim belt because he's he ain't shit yeah that was so funny they did the interim fight with rda and then they're like you know what darren Till's gonna actually get the title yeah. shot yeah yeah, and that and that's and that's a point that Tyron Woodley brought up on his last interview where he's like, All these people getting immediate rematches and I had more title defenses and I didn't get an immediate rematch against Kamara Usman. And as much as I hate Tyron Woodley, who bitches and moans about everything, like he had a fucking point with that one. Yeah. Um I just especially in this instance, like it was a close fight. I thought Volk won. I think I think if Volk if they were to fight again, Volk would make the proper adjustments and win again. Uh, but you have your own division. Go go back down or vacate. Like I I I'm I don't love the immediate rematch, especially for the challenger who lost. Um go back to your division, handle business with Yair, and then revisit it later. But that's just me. I don't know if anyone else has that thought process. I certainly do. Uh, speaking of Yair, anything you want to say about that fight? Because I fully expected Josh Emmett to blow him out of the water, to be honest with you, just because we saw right. Yair struggle with Max Holloway's takedowns. And I'm like, well, here's an actual wrestler who's right. strong as hell. Then he looked like dog shit on the scale where I was like, okay, that guy might get – I thought Yair was going to knock him out with a head kick, to be honest with you. Based yeah. on like how depleted he looked, I was like, oh, Buddy's, Buddy's going to take one shot and just crumble. Yeah, that, he falls into a triangle. He, I can only imagine what he would have looked like if he didn't have a beard now. <laughs> now that he grew out the beard. like oh, Even with the big bushy beard, you still saw his cheeks like fully skeletoned in. That was, a, that was not good. I didn't like seeing that. Um, but yeah, Yair... Yeah, comparison to the... The villain in Blade too, even more apropos. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but Yair looked real good, and uh, to find a fucking submission off his back was, like you said, not not at all what I was expecting. But, and Shell Sonnen has been saying this a lot on his podcast, and I actually agree with him, um, because Yair Rodriguez's record doesn't say that he beat Brian Ortega by submission, but he did. He locked in a submission and he cranked it to the point that like Brian's shoulder was so out of place. He was able to get his arm out and then immediately wasn't able to continue because of the submission that Yair put on him. So Yair clearly has a good fucking submission game if he's submitting Brian Ortega. Uh, so yeah, it's an what interesting about... fight, but I do think Volk just steamrolls him. I totally agree. I don't want to see it though. Um... Yeah, that's interesting about the the record. I didn't even think about that because we talk about like chokes. They say, "Oh, tap or nap." I'm right. pretty sure if you lock in a rear naked choke and the guy goes to sleep, 
they call that a submission. Right. What about tap or a snap? Yeah. I just feel yeah. like, I guess, I guess because they're, they're so prone to like injuries, like it's, it's an injury that stopped the fight, like right. regardless of what caused it. But hey, what caused it is a submission. Like that's right. entirely relevant. You're right. Yeah. So he, on his record officially, he it's a, it's a TKO. What, what no about fun. GSP over Bisping? That's just the first one I thought of where the guy went out or like yeah. Misha Tate over Holly Holm. Yeah, I think those are tech. I think they're called technical submissions. Technical submissions, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and now that I think about it, I wonder what what Frank Mir over Nogueira. Uh, yeah, I mean he's got two of them. That one and uh, Tim Sylvia. Oh what are yeah, those which was the, me, uh, was the same the armbar. Yeah, let me see. Um, big nod. Yeah, it said technical submission, Kimura. And then technical submission armbar. Yeah. Yeah. Technical submission Kimura. Technical submission. Yeah. Or or whatever. I forget what submission he had on it, but I think it was a, a it was a, a Kimura over Big Nog and then yeah. the armbar over Tim Sylvia. Yeah. So uh, but I also want to talk about uh the third fight down. This Jack Della Madalena guy. JDM. That guy was the truth. That was impressive. Yeah. Like Randy Brown is in a world beater, but he's good. Yeah. Like that's, this is first like step up in competition. Uh, Obviously I haven't seen the vibe, but I heard that Randy Brown had some early success and JDM caught him with that nasty hook. Yeah. He, he's won 14 in a row now, this fucking guy. Yeah. Fucking mean, mean fella. He he's got four UFC fights, four first round finishes. The mean uh, Italian Australian. Yeah, fucking stud. Apparently, Jack is short for Giacomo. Really? Yeah. That's great. That's oh yeah, Giacomo della Maddalena. Brilliant. Love it. What do you think his ceiling is? I mean, kind of early to tell. Yeah, it is kind of early to tell, but that's that's a tough weight class when you get to the the tippy tippy top. Uh, you know, when you got Usman, Leon, Colby, Hamzat, uh, Gilbert at the top of that weight class. But I mean, if he's gonna keep finishing people in the first round, I mean, it, it's really hard to tell because he's got such little so little cage time. Um, but right. I mean. I think after that one, I think he's ranked in the top fifteen. I think I think this week they had him at fourteen. But I mean, if he can if he can hang with those those fellas, I, I, I there's no reason why he can't be a champ. You know what? Uh, what I think would be a fun fight. I just thought of, and I don't know if this would be a step backwards in terms of like the rankings because I don't know if Randy Bowden was ranked. I don't know if the guy I'm about to mention is ranked. But you know what would be a fun ass fight, and also like a like a good like changing of the guard, sort of like old guard versus new, young blood versus old lion. JDM Jack Della Madalena versus Muslim King of Kung Fu Salikov, just strikers delight. Love it. Book it. Yeah, I'm book in. it right now. Yeah. Who the fuck? Who needs Mick Maynard and Joe Silva? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, fuck Joe Silva. We've been retired since 2016. Well, whoever's whoever's doing the fucking 
Sean Shelby is the other guy. Sean Shelby. There we go. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah. I'll, hey, I'll, fuck, I'll fuck Joe Silva anyway. I heard he was a piece of shit. That's how I heard too. I'll I'll do I'll do Sean Sean Shelby's job for like ten percent of what you pay him. Save save you guys some money. Fucking couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. There are fights this upcoming weekend, correct? Correct. Uh, Jessica Andrade versus yeah. Aaron Blanchfield. This was, I think, supposed to be uh, Tyler Santos. Yeah. But I think so, had to pull out for maybe injury or something. Yeah. And uh, apparently Jessica Andrade got a new contract to take to step up on short notice. And she's like, now I can start living or whatever. It's kind of interesting. And she's a title challenger, former champion as well. She's a title challenger in that weight class and a former champion in the other weight class. So she's did like, she her last fight was that at straw weight? Uh I think it was no, because no, she, she fought, fought Lauren Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, that was flyweight. Okay. We actually have a question about that in the forum. All righty. Um so do we wanna do the forum first before we talk about the, the fights next week? Yeah, I think let's take a break and okay. let's launch the form. And if you have to leave early, I'll just keep going. But there's okay. at least one question I, I want to get your input on. So let's take All a quick break. All right. And we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, the forum starts now. I'm going to play a couple of voicemails we got from uh... where'd it go? Hold on. I literally had it queued up. Touch something. Oh, hold on. There it is. Fucking shitty app. All right. Uh, I want to get, like I said, I want to get your input on this because uh, this is from the homie Shane Tara, and he has been talking about. We talk on Instagram a lot, and he's been talking to me about this for weeks. Okay. For weeks, no months. All right, let's hear. Saying, it. whenever someone is doing ground and pound, and they got someone up against the fence, they hold on to the fence, and the refs don't usually stop that because they're paying attention to the fighter who's getting their ass beat. And I have said, hey, I don't see how that benefits them anyway. I'm also kind of biased in the sense that, like, I think fence grabbing should be legalized anyway, even, like, because it's not, well, I think there's a safety issue, right, because you could, like, slice your fingers off, but it's also, like, defending takedowns. It's like, then don't have a fence. Like, if you can jump off the fence, if you can do other things, like, it makes takedowns easier when you're pressed up against fence. Like, let people fucking grab it. So, anyway... Let, let me just let him get it, say in his own words, and I want to get your take on it. The podcast team, Kara. Um, so I've been talking to Juice about this a little bit, but I want to know what T-Cross has to say because he has credentials that Juice and I do not have. So I'm definitely under the impression that too many fighters use the cage. They grab the cage and hold on to it as an unfair advantage when finishing ground and pound. Um, I sent Houston an example of Holly McCann doing it in her recent fight. 
Right, sent him an especially egregious video of Andre Arlovsky destroying some Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy while Steve Mazzagatti was yelling at him not to hit the back of the head. But he was holding onto the fence the entire time, holding himself steady. And you can see in the video, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy is kind of trying to move around a little bit. But because Arlovsky is holding onto the fence, he can't really do anything. So what I want to know is, um, for Juice and Chico's is... Do you think that there's something that should be more attention to? Is this something that I'm just being extremely pessimistic about? Or is this just, like, not an issue that really needs to be discussed because it's really not important? Thanks. I I I I, I want to, full disclosure, I asked him to send this because he, he randomly messaged me not knowing where we were recording. And he was like, maybe we just need to agree or disagree. We both feel strongly. I'm just like, I don't even feel that strongly. I just generally don't get i don't see how it's an advantage i also don't think like it happens enough but i was like send it in let's talk about it. let's get t cross opinion because i'm i'm really curious to know what you think about it so i've heard you say on previous shows with leo that you think fence grabbing should be legal and i entirely disagreed with you until you made the point of like hey i can jump off it to kick you or to punch you like why can I use it to prevent a takedown? And that's an interesting point or just don't have a fence. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if what the reason listed is for safety issues of like, you don't want your finger getting ripped off. I don't think that that's the issue. I, I think it yeah, is. I think it's one thing that's taken into account, yeah. but the main thing is like, it's unfair for takedowns. Right. So I don't think I've ever noticed that people do that. Um, but I'm not surprised to hear that they do. Um, I would love to see the videos because similar to to what the ref is doing in there, if someone's getting punched in the face on the ground, I'm not looking at the hand not throwing punches uh, as a fan. Right. Um, so, do you want to see the video real quick? If you, yeah, do you have it? Yeah, I have it here. Let's see. Can you see it? Yeah. Watch this. Oh yeah, that's bad. Yeah, he sent me a few other examples where it was like a couple seconds, but this is like the worst one where he's literally doing it the entire time. That looks like young Arlovsky. Was that like fifteen years ago? Yeah, I would say look at the sponsors on the shore. It's like, yeah, that's I'm telling you, people I don't know, man. Like that's the that was I will say like that was the only one where I'm like, okay, I kinda see what you're talking about. Right. But anytime else it was just like, yeah, maybe probably probably because also like Anytime they grab the fence, it would stop like a few seconds later. Right. But so grabbing the fence is illegal. Uh whether whether it's yeah, for used, whatever reason, yeah. Like anytime you see someone grabbing, like even people on the bottom will just like put their fingers in the in the fence. They usually try to push themselves off it, but like anytime the a finger goes into the fence, they're told like don't grab the fence, don't grab the fence. So in that instance, uh, it is illegal. You're not supposed to do it. Um, but it is difficult for a ref to want to look at the hand that's not punching someone in the face. Uh, so that that is uh, a difficult position for the ref to, to be in. But in that instance that you just showed, Arlovsky definitely used that to prevent the guy from rolling him over, um, which is like when someone tries to take you down and you're like, no, nope, I'm not going anywhere. I got the fence. Has had his hand not been on the fence in that instance, 
the guy probably to buck him off or guy probably would have rolled out the back door. Um, yeah. So in that specific video that you just showed me there, uh, for sure, that's illegal. Uh, but that is a really, really difficult ask uh, of of a ref. Yeah. Uh, especially because of how powerful that ground and pound in that video was uh, when you're dealing with super big fucking guys throwing bombs uh, to to ask the ref to look at the hand that's not doing the punching is a big ask. Now, should they be doing that? Absolutely. You know, just a, you know, not like you don't have to stare at the other hand, but like just a quick peek, like what what's going on over here? Like, you know, as a ref, yeah, supposed to watch the whole thing and to make sure everything's safe. Like if someone's getting punched in the head, but their free hand is grabbing onto someone's shorts, like I re- I forget who who Anderson Silva fought, but they were in the clinch and Anderson Silva was grabbing the dude's waistband and like throwing body punches like pulling him in by the waistband and then the guy tried to disengage and Anderson Silva still had the shorts and was like pulling him back in and throwing punches and the ref never said a fucking word wow never said a word um I'll try to find that video and send that to you as well yeah please but, but yeah it is the ref's job to pay attention to the whole landscape of the whole fight of what's going on um but for attention to that because i never noticed it uh ever. for sure and you know you know what's interesting too like you said like oh it's kind of a difficult ask for them to not pay attention to the what's what's the more pressing thing almost anytime i've seen a ref uh t- talk about fence grabbing first of all it's literally a slap on the wrist like yeah. not only do they never take points they say hey get your hands on the fence they literally don't listen they're ignoring they're like what are you gonna do and they have to like bat it away and sometimes the fighter goes right back and does it yeah like, so like no, in that in sense that you're asking points. him to reach around and like yeah yeah you know my opinion on taking points so 100 um, percent. but yeah from now on i'm gonna pay closer attention to that uh because yeah. that's 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 an interesting point of view now i'm never gonna not see it <laughs> right well and also like i, I was thinking someone points it out the, the other thing that i was thinking about like when i think about like why fence grabbing should be legal look at there's a fight between it was tanner bozer and i want to say it was osp but it could have been blagoy even off someone was someone took him down against the fence he made a big deal of like showing his fist turning it in a way using that and let the let the back of the glove grip against the cage and push off so he wasn't grabbing it but he was using the fence as leverage Right, and it was it did almost the exact same thing that a, a friend scrub would have done in that case. Probably just a little bit harder on him, right? Yeah. Um, what like in that situation? I mean, the fence grab with Arlovsky, I think probably did clearly help. But other situations, I'm thinking if if the point is like you know helping you get balance and leverage, couldn't you just use your fist and like use that to lean against the fence and you're not grabbing? That's also legal. Like it's just not worth it to. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's probably not as much help and leverage, True. but but yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we we're able to to get that one in because Shane Shane has been going about this yeah. for weeks. Yeah, no that that's a that's an interesting uh, interesting find there. I'm gonna look out for that. All right, fucking well, thank you, Shane Tara. Um, everyone, go follow his uh, YouTube channel. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. It's in his bio. If you're on Instagram. 
me pull it up because I was just watching the playlist today. Um, his Instagram is at Shane Terra and the link is in the bio, but the channel is called Disrupt Media and it's at DIS-RUPT Media, I believe. Yep, that's it. But it's youtube.com slash C slash Disrupt Media with no dash. Basically does a lot of cop watch videos. Make sure cops are being on their P's and Q's. Oh, yeah. Watched a bunch of them today, and he was like, oh, uh, using tax dollars to antagonize somebody? Piece of shit, or whatever. <laughs> like, he, love it. He's vocal about it, so love um, it. we love to see it. Now I want to move on to the the homie Rhino, or as the transcripts, as we, we talk about these transcripts on the Google Voice, says Rondo. Listen to this. This is so amazing, this first sentence of the transcript. Big Juice and T-Cross is your big homie Rondo from the Combat Sports Rental Podcast. I Brilliant. fucking love it. I fucking love it. Hey, Juice and T-Cross, your big homie Rondo from the Combat Sports <laughs> Rental Podcast. So, uh, as we're recording this, about three weeks from now is the return of John Jones. Now, Juice, you and I have talked both on air and off about having to separate the art from the artist and how that's difficult to do, right? So a lot of things that John Jones has done away from the cage, that's a whole other discussion for another time. But to watch the guy in the cage has been incredible over the years. Um, this matchup will be the first time truly. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much weight he's actually put on, but, you know, three years away, but he's, you know, maybe he's going to be walking around in the cage about 250 or whatever. Um, he's going to be fighting somebody who's truly bigger, truly stronger, and um, have, a, have a level of strength advantage over him that he's never faced before. I'm kind of curious to see what your angle is or kind of what your thought is on how John Jones is going to deal with not being the stronger, bigger guy, having a you know very small, measurable reach advantage over Cyril, um, as opposed to a really long reach advantage like he's you know, accustomed to. So yeah, I kind of want to think, I want to hear about what you guys think about um, what that match is going to look like and uh, be like against Cyril Gunn. So can't wait to hear you guys' answers. Love you guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. Peace. I have some some quick thoughts on this. Go He's right it. about separating the art from the artist because John Jones is a fucking whole piece of shit. But it's it's gone on so long at this point that I'm like, dude, let me just see him fight again. Like, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> and I posted this. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Rhino had that question about the what will be on our playlist. And you told the Justin Bieber story. Yeah. It spawned from an interview with uh, he did on his show with a guy who trained at Jackson's and said that John Jones bumps Bob Marley while he trains. Yeah. Like just the entire time, just straight Bob Marley. And I'm like, that's pretty amazing. Like it made me more of a fan. Not the playlist of a guy that snorts Coke, if I'm being honest. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like more of a stoner podcast. Right. Or playlist, rather. I think this will be the fight that shows us how good John Jones truly is. Um, yes, Cyril is stronger, but I think John Jones is still pretty damn strong. And what we always forget because he's such a dynamic striker, John Jones can fucking wrestle. Like it doesn't matter anything else. Like, he his ego will probably test something. Although someone tweeted out this, 
and uh it was the video of like Walt Harris dancing. I don't know if you saw this. He was they were like training together and they were like, Look at how fucking little John's legs look still. Like, doesn't matter how he bulks up on top, he's got that like prison body where it's like didn't work on the legs that much. He's got bulk up top, thin ass legs. It was like yeah. Cyril's gonna chop those legs. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, Cyril's fucking tree trunks. So there's a lot that make this match it matchup interesting. It's like, oh, he can wrestle, but it starts in the feet. How's Cyril gonna do that? Like it's it's so good. I tend to think John Jones is going to really just show out because of all these things, but we haven't seen him in three years. Like there's so much about it. That's up in the air that I'm like, this fight is so interesting. Yeah. I I think his layoff is what makes it so interesting because his last two fights at light heavyweight were questionable uh, with, uh, Tiago Santos and um, Dominic Reyes. Reyes. Um, I thought Reyes beat him. Santos fight was close. Um, I mean the 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 Reyes fight was close too, but I, I had a three two Reyes. But anyway, he has come out and said publicly that like I was getting kind of bored with that division. Um, but now with this new division, this new contract, I have a lot more. Uh, you know motivation motivation so really really no way to know if that's true if that's not yeah. true and the john jones that fought dominic reyes comes out i, I think he's going to have a rough night but and and also john jones historically likes to try to beat people at their own game um you know he went out and tr- and out wrestled dc he, you know, tried to out, you know, he outstruck Gustafson. You know, he, he tries to do beat people what they're best at. Uh, so I think if he goes out there and tries to have a kickboxing fight with Sorel gone again, I think he's going to have a rough night, but he's also not stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I think if he goes out in the first round or even the second round and he's having a rough time with the stand up. He's going to remember, I'm dealing with a guy who got out-wrestled by Francis Ngannou. I can take this guy down whenever the fuck I want. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm really excited. Uh, I also think John Jones is a large piece of shit. Uh, but the fucking dude can fight. Steroids, whatever. That dude knows how to fight. That dude is, and he's tough as nails. I mean, we've seen some of the beatings that guy takes. And, uh yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I do think Jones wins, um, but how dominant he is is entirely up to him and how like what game plan he wants to implement. Um, and who is he training with now? Is he at Cejudo's gym? Because he's not at Jackson Wink anymore. Well, so interesting that that Walt Harris video said. I think it said Jackson's on the back, so I don't know if he was just really? there. What's interesting is I remember a news came out where like. Uh, Winkle John was like, I can't have him at the gym anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and like it was like all these allegations and things like that. And people were saying like Winkle John was just like, bro, you've known about this for years. Like, why now? Like, like I get it and whatever. I guess Greg Jackson came out and said I'll still train him. Brandon Gibson for sure said he would train him still. Huh. So he's got like Brandon Gibson was his main striking coach. Greg Jackson was his main like game plan fight head coach strategist. So I truly think it will not make a difference. I mean, I heard that he was, 
who was he training with? America was it Yuri? Someone was at Cejudo's when when John Jones was there. That was what made it super interesting. Like some news came out where I was like, wonder how that training session went. Mm, I don't um, recall hearing that. I gotta look it up. It was, it was something. Yuri, I would love to see that training footage, bro. Uh, yeah, I would pay for that. If there oh, was leaked footage, they're like, "Oh yeah, you want to see a training yeah. session between Yuri and John Jones?" You got to. I'm like, as long as you guarantee me it's actually them and there's footage, yeah. however long, I will pay. Yeah, so, so I, I think I, uh, I'm going with John Jones for sure. Like, it's I, I think Cyril's going to make it interesting. It's mostly the size and the reach, because yeah. again, like you said, like John Jones has styled on people with like where he has significant physical advantages over and now he does not. So it's kind of interesting to see, but I think it's going to be another one. Like this year's shaping up to be kind of like the super fight era again, where we're having these, these champ champ fights with Vulcan Islam. And although he he isn't the champ, like he didn't lose his belt and he's moving up. It's, it's a big fucking deal. John Joe's a heavyweight. Even if he fought like uh, this is for the vacant title, right? Yeah. Even if you were to fight like a Curtis blades, or something for a number one contendership. I feel like that's a big fucking deal anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just John so, Jones at heavyweight is big deal. Yeah. Although I'm, I, and I'm glad too, that he's taken a, a bigger heavyweight because I remember when he was on top, I remember seeing someone was like, yeah, you know, like if I were to fight a smaller heavyweight, like Mark Hunt, I feel like I could do well. Or like, where he was just like, you just want these little guys, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> Fucking A. Well, check out Rhino's show. He's the fucking man. You guys know how I feel about Rhino. We plug him every week. Love that guy. And here is another one from T Cross. No, not for I'm looking at um MMA Catfish. Um yeah. That was dumb. I'm dumb. <laughs> hey, juice. Ah, tea juice. Oh, I fucked it up because I was thinking about juice and that sexy juiceness uh, and forgot to call you tea juice. And I don't even know what tea cross looks like because I always forget to go look up his Instagram. Anyhow, what a wonderful intro. Uh, man, that fight, Volk and Islam. I am not going to debate who won because I don't give a fuck. I know that Islam won because, I don't know, it's on the official record. But what do you think? Uh, both should do from here. I will say that was an amazing fucking performance. I thought he was going to get absolutely manhandled, um, just due to the size disparity. Uh, and he did not. So super impressed by that. Great job by him. Um, but most likely, right? Doesn't he go back to 145 and just absolutely fucking murking everyone else? Um, and then maybe. After a whole bunch of wins, he could come back up again and try. What do you think? I'm out. FNP for life. Yeah, I think we're aligned on this, the three of us, right? Because you talked about it earlier. I didn't really say too much. I think you got to go down and, and unify that title. Yeah. And then once that's over, and maybe you even do it on the – well, no, the, the card's already set. You can't do it on the same card. But maybe you put it for the week or two after – Max Holloway and Arnold Allen are fighting. Hello, that's a big fucking deal. Arnold Allen's on like an eleven fight win streak, yeah, or something like that. Max Holloway's fucking Max Holloway, and if if Max beats Arnold Allen, no one wants to see Max Volk four. I mean, 
I don't not want to see it, but especially right. after the last one, I'm like, can we put that to bed? I just, anyway, that you got to, if Arnold Allen wins, you got to, you got to do that fight. I think if Max wins, maybe it's like, okay, I've cleaned out the division. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and can, and I think it also depends on what guy, like a guy like Ilya Taporia does in the meantime. Because if Ilya Taporia fights, let's hypothetically say like a Brian Ortega. So I don't know how he's doing with his shoulder or whatnot, but if Ilya Taporia fights a top five guy, because he just beat Bryce Mitchell in very impressive fashion. And I don't know what Bryce was ranked at the time, but I would have to guess top 10 would be my guess. I think think it was like 10 or nine, maybe. So now you give Ilya Taporia top five. He beats a top five guy in the meantime where Volk fights Yair. Then you have another contender there in case Max beats Brendan Allen. So you still have contenders at 45. You have Arnold Allen. What did I say? Brendan Allen's an 80, 85 er That would be a fucking tough task. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I meant? Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think he goes back down and it's not, it's, it's always something you can revisit in the future. Like it's not a has to happen right now thing. Um, It's, 55 isn't going anywhere. You can go back up whenever you want. Yeah. Imagine they give Ilya Tapuria Korean zombie next. And he just fucking absolutely wipes the floor with him. There's your number one contender. There you go. After all, you know, assuming, you know, whatever happens with that fight. Right. That would be insane. Yeah. Well, thank you, MMA Catfish. You had a couple more. I know you have a hard out soon. There was one... I really want to play. Yeah, this is the one. This is the next one. I'm going to make sure you hear this. Hey, G-Juice, it's the MMA Catfish. Listen, I would be really, really butthurt about the fact that uh, G-Cross doesn't even remember my, like, 30-second conversation with y'all about the name G-Juice. Wow. But he did say I'm really hot, and I'm just going to stick with that, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm focused on. I'm, you know, I'm going to let him gaslight me by saying nice things and horrible things, and hopefully will be saying nice things about me again. Um, Volkanovski and the other guy who's Dana White can't even remember the name of, you know, it's lightweight, motherfucking fan. Anyhow, who y'all got? Um, I think that Volk uh, gets dog walked. He's just too small. I don't care what people say about, dude, he's just the way 300 pounds and he played rugby. Like, this is MMA. I don't know if I should keep going. It's like, really has the size on him. Uh, just link, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, so like, yeah, I do not think Volkanovsky wins this fight. Um, and what do you guys think? I'm out. SMP. Incorrect on the getting dominated part, but correct on the outcome. So we'll take that as a dub for. Dude, he's on, he's on fire this week. Yeah. Uh, those that's two brilliant ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. I apologize about the tea juice thing. Uh, year like you, you know how often I talked about how much drugs I did in college. Like, I'm yeah, not all there, and I get <laughs> and I get punched in the head a lot. Uh, well, not as much as I used to, but I still get punched in the head a lot. My head's not great, <laughs> but I, I try my best. Give me give me a bit of a break. Fucking a. All right, let's dive into the Twitter forum and see how many we can get in before you have to leave. 
All right, let's see. We mentioned it. Uh, yeah, I want to get to this one from Sandy Pants because we mentioned it earlier. She said, Aaron Blanchfield versus Jessica Andrade. Aaron's getting smashed Lauren Murphy style, yes? What do you think is going to happen in this fight? Because, I, dude, I really think Aaron Blanchfield is that good. I do, too. I thought... Tyla Santos, because of what she did to Valentina and because of how big she is for that weight class, that that might be a tough task. And we'll see. Like, I didn't think Aaron was going to get past that. But because Jessica is smaller and like Aaron is just that good, it makes it interesting. I mean, Jessica has more experience in big fights. And this is Aaron's first main event. But there could be a lot. Like 25. I think 23, to be honest with you. Is She's she pretty young? young. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, 23. So that part makes it interesting, but gun to my head, I think I'm actually picking Aaron. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's a tough matchup because she hits so fucking hard, Andrade does. Yeah. Um, so if she can take her biggest punches and get it to the ground, it's 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 an interesting fight. I really really wanted to see her versus Tyler Santos. I was really interested in that one. Um, but Jessica Andrade fights are always entertaining. So I'm um, hell yeah. E- I'm equally as entertained in this. So she very well could get the Lauren Murphy treatment, but she also could get a victory. She could get it to the ground and dominate from there, right. like we've seen her do in her last couple. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of different outcomes that, that may come and it's, it's why we watch the, it's why we watch these fights. Yeah, dude. And and I also feel like Lauren Murphy is going to try to box, like no matter what happens, I feel like that's maybe her best attribute and she leads with that. And that's just a fucking bad idea against Jessica Andrade. And Jessica just was like, all right, you want to box? Let's get in close. I'm going to fuck you up. And that kind of led to that. Plus I think. I don't know, like her corner didn't do her any favors. <laughs> right. But I think with Aaron Blanchfield, she knows where her bread is buttered. She's going to try and get to that fight to the ground. Now, Jessica's going to be hard to take down. Right. I remember also Jessica versus, was it JoJo? Now, JoJo has like zero jujitsu, but I think because she was getting beat up, she tried to take Jessica down and Jessica locked up a guillotine like instantly. Yeah. I feel like Aaron's sub defense is way better than JoJo Calder was. 100%. Yeah, so there's a lot about this fight that's intriguing to me. I, I, I yeah. gotta see what happens. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Blanchfield too, though. Fuck yeah! Um, thank you, Sandy Pants, for the question. Trying to see what we have time for. If we get in, oh, this is a good one because we kind of talked about with the, with the fence grabs and stuff. Uh, this is from the homie MMA by Milliken. Says, "What are your thoughts on knees to a grounded opponent?" It's allowed in one championship, but not the other promotions. I personally love it. Do you guys think it should be allowed everywhere? Yeah. Um, I also, I don't see the difference. Uh, like if you're on two knees, like what Peter Yan did to to Aljo. Whereas if Aljo's on his feet, but bent over in the same fashion, it's, it's the same knee. It is literally no different. Um, 
soccer kicks make me really uncomfortable though though that's like like when you watch street fight videos and you're like curb stomping somebody those make me really uncomfortable yeah. like, like back in the pride days with shogun soccer kicking motherfuckers like those are like oh they make me cringe um but yeah i mean it's a it's a fucking it's a fight you know that's uh, yeah i i'm totally on board with it like it, it yeah it changes the game like like when demetrius johnson went over to one and he fought uh uh Marais, yeah and, and literally the week prior was the peter yan aljo thing and he was like yeah i'm all on board with knees to the head and then dj got knocked out by a knee to the head while he was on yeah. the ground so yeah it, it adds adds a whole other intangible to the sport and i i, I really don't see the difference yeah, dude. I think especially too. Like I remember when when DJ first uh, got over there, he was on Luke Thomas show. I feel like, and Luke asked him about it, and he was like, "Like, no, like it's instinctual. Like you, we had to retrain ourselves to follow the rules because not to not a lot of grandadies, but your instinct should be to knee them, right? Like, in that situation, and not just in a situation where you're on your feet and your opponent's grounded. Like if you're both on the ground, if you have like side control or whatever, like fucking knee him." Have you ever like, seen that video of Mayhem when he fought in Pride doing those type of knees to the head? No. So he's in like a north-south. Oh, position. wait a minute. I think I have. Yeah, the, I remember the north-south. Because then he's he also like go north, like south, and he like get both legs up and just boom, like str- like straight down, like almost like a twelve-six elbow, but with his knee. Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mayhem is such a piece of shit, but I love Bully Beatdown. So good. <sighs> We've talked about this before. It makes me like, I fucking, I hate it because yeah. that's one of those shows too. Like, you know, people get like, people talk about like, oh, I was a pro pro a professional wrestling fan as a kid until I found it. It was fake. Like I was mad when I found out Bully Beatdown was fake. Like, oh, I think about now. Like, I didn't even know it was fake. It was fake. No, I'm dead ass serious. I'd never heard that. Yeah, I don't know if every single thing was, but for the like, well, okay, so like Eddie Alvarez talked about this on a a, a live stream one time. I think was like going live on IG or something. I remember specifically watching. He was driving because that's why I first saw Eddie and became a fan of him. He was like, "Yeah, no, it was fake. They were actors, but we really beat the shit out of them, though." Like, oh, okay, it was fake in terms of like the backstory of like, okay, this bull and like the victims were actors too. But they you know they really got in there. That's why that fucking Russian dude beat uh, Thomas the Wild Man Denny. Yeah, yeah. Like he really won that fight. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. He wow. Have wanted that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the fighting was real. Okay. Um, it just was like staged in terms of the gotcha, like, like the backstories because like and like especially there I like I remember I'm pretty sure it was the first episode I watched and it got got me into it. It was a it was a a woman was the victim. And the bully was a man. Like, it wasn't the Michelle Watterson where the w- woman victim right. and woman bully. It was like, oh, no, my my boyfriend is a fucking bully to me or whatever. And it was a heavyweight. And they were like, now meet Tyler, man of faith, Murphy. And he was like, I'm not really on board with, with women uh, getting uh, – being the victim of, of domestic violence, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. And he really beat the shit out of this guy. Like, especially like in the kickboxing, he made a point of like body kicks. Like I'm going to make this motherfucker crumble. Hit him with a body kick. It was over. And I was like, my favorite episode, 
was when the the bully the whole time like and like all the prepackaged stuff was talking shit to mayhem and mayhem fought him talking shit and then he was like here comes your the guy you're gonna be fighting and they they go to the other thing and he just takes his shirt off and he's like i'm fighting you and then mayhem just fucked him up oh my Um, god it's funny too because like that whole that bully's whole shtick was like i want i want to get the poison out you got a poison in you. It's a weakness. I yeah. got to bully you so I get the poison out or whatever. Yeah. And after like Mayhem's commentary, he slams him in the grappling. He was like, I think that first slam put a little poison in him. Yeah. Uh, such a good show. So good. Fuck. And I'm mad that you can't get like, I, remember, I I literally bought the first season on Amazon Prime to to watch it. Because really? you used to be able to find it on YouTube and then they took him down. Ah. Uh. But yeah, I, I I found a lot of people on on that show. Uh, Jake Shields was on that show. Like I said, Bobby Eddie Green, Alvarez, Bobby Green. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Karate Hottie. Watterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a, a lot of people that ended up being like huge stars. Fucking awesome. Well, we could talk about Bully Beatdown for ages, but we just hit our heart out. I know you have to run. I don't yeah, want to get in the way of those plans. I'm going to see Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I got my Hang the Conqueror shirt on. Let's go, yeah, man. Uh, big Marvel nerd. Uh, love you, Juice. Appreciate you all listening. Shout out to all of you. Thank you for welcoming me into your ears. Uh, FMP, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, I'll see you later, bro. Love you, brother. I'm going to keep going, you. obviously. Talk to you later. Bye. He wasn't leaving the Zoom for a second. I was like, does he want me to kick him out? I have to figure out how to do that. Uh, what a guy. What a guy. Like I said, a, a, a few times on the show, there was not anyone. I, I when, when Leo had to leave, there wasn't anyone else that I wanted to consider. Even when I was like, yeah, I would love if uh, like a woman stepped up. I, I still wanted T-Cross. So fucking love that guy. Let's finish up the forum here. So I got a question from the homie Typhoon. Oh, we... Forgot to shout out MMA by Milken. Uh, excellent podcast. I love when he does the suspect picks. I feel like it's on a bit of a hiatus. Um, it came back recently, and then I, I haven't seen it uh, in a couple of weeks. So hope you do some more episodes, brother. But we appreciate the question on the show. Um, this question from Ty Fly Guy 15 co-host of the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles podcast. He said, if you could pick one current UFC fighter to interview on the podcast, who would it be and why? That's such a great question, dude. Because current is tough. And it's also like, like this is a fantasy, right? Like, oh, I'm not obviously not going to get a current UC fighter. But I still want to pick someone realistic. And I feel like I want to pick someone wholesome. It's got to be Molly McCann, dude. I fucking love Molly McCann. I can't. I We follow each other on Twitter. She followed my personal account before I deactivated it and had to make a new one. I don't even think I followed her on that one, but I'm private, so she won't get the notification anyway. But she is just such a beautiful person inside and out. Seeing her, um, or rather hearing her interviews on the LGBT sport podcast on bbc just inspirational stuff i fucking love her and i can't get enough 
So I just feel like we would have so much to talk about. And I can honestly say, I don't, I can't think of a, an MMA podcast in the like MMA Twitter space where one of the, one of the hosts is queer. And I think Molly needs to be interviewed by someone who gets her in that regard. So even though it's not, shouldn't be the main topic of conversation. I just, I want to talk to her about what it means, you know, from that perspective. So fuck, what a great question. Now I'm like sad about it that I, I can't get Molly on the show. This question is from Dave L and I really wanted to get to this with uh, T cross, but I knew it would not, um, we would hit our out because there's just so much to unpack here. So this is a two-parter question from Dave L. He says, Dan Hooker, the first part, Dan Hooker and friends have accused Islam Mahachev using IV rehydration without releasing evidence. This has fueled blind speculation in the press and on social media. How should he have done this? Like he like A, like he did, B release everything, C shut the fuck up without proof. Um, so I, I guess I'll unpack that, uh, first part. And, and we talked a little bit about this in our group chat I have with Leo and Dave. I'm a fan of the burden of proof is on the accused. If you're throwing at these, allegations, like, that's a pretty serious allegation in the sense that like, I, th- I think he even put a screenshot that was like, what is the, um, penalty for using an IV under USADA or something like that. And it was like up to two years. He'd get his belt stripped. He'd lose out on a lot of financial things. Like that's a fucking serious allegation just to say, oh yeah, we know about it. You're a dirty cheat. Drop, drop those receipts, bro. And it's interesting to hear like when he says Dan Hooker and friends, I don't know if they've heard this. We haven't talked about this yet. Alex Volkanovsky went on Ariel's show and because of the time difference, they did a pre-taped interview that he he did on Sunday night after the Super Bowl ended before Dan Hooker tweeted that shit and he mentioned the IV. And because Ariel didn't know about it, he didn't press him about it or, or ask for a follow-up. He thought it was just being cheeky, just a joke. Because he really did say it so quick and offhanded that it was like, ha ha ha. He's like, oh, I did it without an IV. Ha ha. And like, say, I forget that that's exactly what he said, but I, I, I'm really kind of sick of, of that sort of just, I, I don't even know what the, what the word is here. Like it's like in the social media age, people can just say shit and they aren't held accountable. And I don't want to like sit here because like I've tweeted shit. I definitely don't want to be held accountable for. I'm not saying like everyone should be held accountable for their tweets, but if you're, uh, in the in the limelight like that, if you're a public figure and you're tweeting about what you're in the public eye for, you you can't just fucking say shit. You can't be in the business of just saying stuff. Like, we, we need some receipts, guy. So, and then I love the fucking Ali tweets. Let's get into that. Wait, let me see what the uh, second part. Okay, it's not, well, okay, no, I should talk about this. So Dave says, uh, the, the second part is the rules on IV rehydration are vague and have a lot of loopholes. How would you like IV rehydration handled? Uh, 
a, option option a change nothing i love chaos and uncertainty b nobody gets to do it no tues no exemptions uh, uh c everyone does it and it's provided and regulated by ufc medical staff option c baby oh wait there's an addendum he says i'm somewhat concerned that if everyone used ivs every time weight cutting would become more extreme and unsafe um okay so before usada ivs were allowed and everyone did use them and so i i kind of feel like there isn't a way there isn't a case for that to be made um because they're already doing like the doc, the UFC doctors are monitoring people's weight cuts. And if people are like unfit, they're removing them and they'll, they'll give them an IV, which will disqualify them. And like, you won't get banned because it was recommended by the doctor, but it's like, okay, because of that now you can't compete. So honestly, because they have the UFC PI, that's our, like a, a lot of people leverage their nutritionist Clint. Uh, what's his name is like the head of nutrition over there. Just fucking allow IVs, dude. Like, because, like, the reason it's banned is because it can be used to, like, flush your system or mask, like, steroid use. They test them so much already. Like, okay, get a fucking sample before you do the IV. and Let's test that. I'm, I'm sick of it, dude. Like, and, and, and it's another one of those things that we've talked about before in the past. I'm a stickler for the rules. So if it's a rule I disagree with, it should be followed. If if we find like, apparently that I think in 2019 they may have changed the rules. We I still haven't got clarification on that, but if it's if it's illegal, it's fucking illegal. If he did it, he should be stripped. That's it. But to Dave's point, let's get it regulated. Let's get it legalized. Um. All right. This question from Dean at No Coward Shit says rankings. Pound for pound list, title contender status is increasingly very made up and designed around what Dana thinks sells pay-per-views. But would you agree they could avoid that boomer nonsense and just sell us super fights? Example, Volk versus Islam, they could have just said, these two dudes are so dominant and there are two good fi final contenders in, in each division. These dudes are going to main event and then we will have to we'll have two massive number one contender fights under that. Oh, two. We'll have two massive number one contender fights under that. You know... I think I responded. Yeah. I think the reason that fight was so massive is because the title was on the line. Sure. It would have been great if, um, they're like, it, it's a great fight regardless. And it's because they're, they're so good at what they do and the fight proved that. But I, I got into fighting because of storylines and personalities and things like that. And while these guys didn't have like a, they weren't like selling the fight, the story of Volk getting to become a double champ in his home country, the story of Islam, you know, making a name for himself, stepping out of Khabib's shadow. These things are, they matter. And the stakes to this were just so, it was so much a part of it that I, I definitely see where you're going. Like the, the rankings is, is, Especially as we talked about, especially the pound for pound list, it's a bunch of bullshit, right? But I like that titles matter, and I like that when it's on the line, it's a part of the story. So I was a I was a I was a fan of that. Now to that point, like let's say uh you know Yuri becomes the champ again and he wants to test himself against 
the heavyweight champion. Now, if the heavyweight champion is John Jones, that's a different story. They're fighting for one of their belts. I don't give a fuck, you know, because he used to be the 205 pound champion. But I'm just thinking about a, a situation where, like, there's such a huge disparity between 205 and, you know, up to 265 that let's do a catch weight of 220. Let's do like I, I've talked about before. I think they should normalize catch weight bouts. I think we need those more often. Um, but when you're a champion, I think it's different. I think it's different. But a great question, Dean, and, and something to definitely consider. I just, especially with that fight, dude, it was it was so so much a part of the story, in 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 a good way, in my opinion. Well, fucking a. We are just about wrapping up. I want to take a look at the fight card next week because this one. I'm probably going to be able to watch and that hasn't happened in a long time as far as me being able to watch the fights live. Um, let me pull up the fights here. Just looking at the main card, we got Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. Phenomenal fight. By the way, did you guys see Jim Miller? We talked about this before with, with Leo. I definitely remember talking about this on the podcast because Jim Miller was like, I was on UFC 100, I was on UFC 200, I want to be UFC on UFC 300. And he recently came out and said what I think we're all were hoping to hear, that he wants that to be his final fight. That's a fucking great story. Now, I don't know that he's, he's going to get past Alexander Hernandez because he's younger and more explosive. I really hope he does because I fucking do not like Alexander Hernandez. Um, and I'll definitely be rooting for Jim Miller. But I hope regardless of the outcome of this fight, I hope they give him a fucking layup. Give him a fucking, just sign some regional guy who isn't ready for the UFC yet and let Jim Miller beat the fuck out of him. I'd sign up to get beat the fuck out of by Jim Miller. Are you kidding me? That's a, that's anyone, should be anyone's dream in that weight class. So fuck it. Let's make that happen. I'm picking Jim Miller against Alexander Hernandez. Uh, William Knight versus Marcin Procneo. Uh, light heavyweight. I know William has flirted with heavyweight just because he's so fucking thick. Shout out to the thick king, bro. I I can't not pick William Knight. Like, I love I love what the co-main event podcast is about, him, especially Chad Dundas. It's like one thing about William Knight is he definitely knows where the weights are kept or whatever. It's like he's gonna bring the whole fucking weight room with him, and that's certainly the case here. Marcin Procneo is good though, but uh, William Knight's got that power. And that's a game changer. Uh, Josh Parisian versus Jamal. Going to butcher that last name. Got the worst hair I've ever seen. Uh, and there's no way I'm not picking uh, Josh Parisian anyway, because I fucking love that guy. So we're picking Josh Parisian on that. I hope he beats the fuck out of Jamal. Uh, Jordan Wright uh, versus Zach Pauga. Oh, so this is interesting. This is a light heavyweight fight. Jordan Wright is, I'm pretty sure his nickname is the Beverly Hills Ninja, which I always liked that nickname. He's let me down a few times recently. Zach Pauga was uh, on the Ultimate Fighter heavyweight season recently, and I feel like he was super wholesome. Uh, Yeah, fuck it. I want Zach to win. Fuck you, Jordan Wright. And we talked about uh, Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchard. I will say, like, I love both girls. I mean, I'm, I love Jessica more. I'm a fan of both girls. Uh, so I, I love Jessica. If she would win, I would, I would, uh, I would be happy. But just something about Aaron, like I think she's really fucking good. I really think she's that good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to an end. 
Um, follow me at Friendly Spar Pod. And uh, on on Twitter and Instagram, we've talked about like T Cross has plugged his Instagram title his handle. Don't know if we've ever spelled it out, so let me just spell it out for you guys at T C R O S S T H E B A W S S. It's T Cross the Boss. T Cross the B A W S S. He's got a fucking awesome picture of him with his dog Scarlet. As a boxer, Scarlett loves me. Every time I'm over there, she's all over me. I mean, that's that's dogs though. Like dogs are just they just give their love to anybody. It's so funny too. His his profile picture is a meme. It's a well known. I think it's the guy. I think it's like the suh dude or whatever. But I swear to God, I thought it was him in a wig every time. Like when they first told me, I was like, "That's not you." It's so funny to me. Um, yeah. So so definitely give us a follow, and I want to shout out the lovely patrons of this podcast. We're going to shout this out in a southern dialect because I just recently did a play called Crimes of the Heart where I had to tell her I was from Mississippi. Probably people are listening like, he doesn't sound like he's from fucking Mississippi. But let's, because I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the first two ladies in my list who are from Arkansas and Louisiana, respectively. But shout out to APB. Shout out to Sandy Pants. Shout out to Alex from Jersey. Shout out to T Cross. Shout out to Fee. Shout out to Dave L. Shout out to Jimmy the Drunk. <laughs> that hits different with the Southern dialect, dude. Especially when I first learned this uh this dialect's called Mississippi Delta. I did a scene from Count the Hot Tin Roof. And uh there's this fucking iconic ass line where uh I think I think they did a movie of this and fucking Marlon Brando played him. I could be wrong. Maybe someone else. It definitely didn't sound like this, but the fucking accent when you say it right, the dialect is Maggie, you are ruining my liquor. Ah! I can't wait. So Jimmy the Drunk, shout out to Mixta Man, shout out to Anonymous, shout out to David Everett, shout out to Wholesome MMA, shout out to Brian Pichet, <laughs> Bobby Boucher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so dumb, dude. Shout out to Dave, aka Nobby Buckles. Nobby Buckles. Shout out to Supermanly Nick. Shout out to David S. Shout out to D. Crons. Shout out to Harry Andrew. Shout out to Cakes, even though she leaves me on red all the time. Shout out to QAR. Ara, I believe they say. <laughs> Shout out to Dash. And shout out to Zim. And remember, 